0: America, Washington, D.C. Signing on. When the Sances have... Hello and welcome to another episode of Radio Contra, of course, the podcast of American partisan.org. dot org. And brush feeder training and consulting. Coming up on Christmas, this has uh, been quite an interesting Christmas season. Um, a lot of fireworks, a lot of things going on in the news. Uh, had a lot of emails from you out there wondering what was going on, man. You know where where have you been? This podcast episode has been a few weeks. Um, <clears throat> I was out in Texas. And uh, had a, a series of private classes out there with some incredible, uh, deeply patriotic folks. And it's always special. I've been working with these uh, folks for a few years now. And I'm going to tell you, it, of, of all the groups that I work with, they, they are the best when it comes to... Uh, a lot of things how switched on they are how well I've, I've watched them uh, foment as a team over the years it's really really impressive to see um, how far they have come and, and and they were great when they initially contacted me and uh, brought me out to to the literal heart of Texas where where the the Texas, republic was born where the the bedrock of the texas revolution uh was laid and where much of it was fought uh you know going to to places like the presidio de bahia and and really seeing it and and um feeling the gravitas there, you know, and, and visiting the Alamo and, and, uh, being, being out there, of course, it's, um, it's a blessing everywhere I go and, and every opportunity I get to, to go across this great nation. But, uh, when I get out to that part of Texas every year that that I've went out there, it's, it's a very special trip. It's almost like a pilgrimage for me. And, um, you know, it, it it's it's a mix of, of the wonderful people that I get the opportunity to work with out there. It's the culture that, that I absolutely love. And, you know, part of it, I think, for me at least, is is the reality that I know they're on the forefront of of this tidal wave that's coming. And they know it. You know, they they know. And, and for for folks in, in a lot of other parts of the United States uh, that might be somewhat removed from this, you know, here in North Carolina, um, you know, we're, we're bearing the brunt of a lot of this, too. But it, it's it's a, a second order effect for us. I mean, the the invasions happening on the southern border is hitting that part of Texas first. You know, it, it's hitting all of South Texas first. It's hitting West Texas. It's hitting Arizona. I mean, and, and we're seeing this. The rot at this point is too difficult to hide. But um, it, it everybody that I work with out there, and, and every year their numbers are growing and growing and growing and growing uh, of people who are switched on, who are uh willing to train, willing to put up with heat in years past. It has been hot. Um, you know, this year it was cold. They had uh, a, a couple of nights where it frosted down there, which was a little bit surprising for me. Uh, of course it's you know it's getting cold here in, in this part of North Carolina. Um, you know, I've got get yeah, my, my comfortable fire over here and uh, recording this podcast by fire. And I, you know, after getting some good family time in and, and getting things ready for Christmas. But, um, the point is though, is, is that going out there is such a special thing. And, um, you know, and, and, and I wanted to give them, them a shout out because that's typically the last training event that I'll do in the year is, is I go out there and, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, private invitation only courses. And, and these are serious people, um, they know without a doubt what they're facing, and they are deadly serious about what they're doing and about their training. And and some of the the fireside chats that we've had out there, um, you know, it it's the when when you work hard, you play hard. But there's a lot of knowledge also that's shared that comes out of that. When you know, late evenings you get done with, with some, some awesome nighttime exercises, and, and you know, you're gathered around and you're enjoying that fellowship over a good bottle of Pendleton or you know, uh, some Shiner, and of course, I took some North Carolina beers out there, and you know, and um, but but enjoying that fellowship time together is really special. And um, a, a man out there that, that's been in classes um, all, all of the classes out there. And he of course hosted the courses that we ran in North Texas as well, just on the, the, uh, Western side of Dallas. Um, you know, he, he, he pointed something out that I've, I've, I've said on this podcast and, uh, something that I, that I want to share with all of y'all is the fact that, that I don't get blackpilled, um, I don't get down in the dumps on stuff, and, and he said, you know, I, I really think that part of that is that you get to interact with so many awesome people who are very serious about what they're doing all across the country, and, you know, you, you do that on a regular basis, whereas a lot of people out there are, uh, you know, kind of isolated, kind of left wondering, you know, is this, am I it? Am I the only one? Am You know, is is there anything positive that's ever going to happen? Or are the communists just going to keep racking up the winds? Uh, you know, a couple of those we're going to be talking about tonight in this episode. Um, You know, the thing is, is that there's a lot of talk about civil war. And there's a lot of predictive programming that's going on. And, you know, this uh, Obama production, which uh, came out while I was out in Texas. Um, I, I didn't watch it. I'm not going to watch it. It's a Netflix thing. I don't give a damn about it. Just going to be blunt. Um, I, I don't have time in my life for that kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I really don't. And I don't have time in my life for the, the predictive programming, uh, that that's coming out of, uh, the left, you know, what they think. And, and of course to have some movie that's coming out now or some, Guys wearing red sunglasses or something ridiculous and you know, Civil War or whatever it's called. Um, didn't watch the trailer. I didn't even bother watching the trailer. I don't need to watch that. Okay. I don't need to see this stuff. Because what these are are fantasies written by people who hate you and I. And these are fantasies that are written out of what they think is going to happen. You know, these these are people who, by and large, have never suffered uh, blood on their hands. You know, they've never seen some some true atrocities. You know, they they they've never, and a lot of them have never experienced actual hardship in their lives. They think that you know hardship is, um, you know. uh, maybe, uh, uh, food deserts, for example, where, you know, the only thing in an inner city area is fast food, you know, this what, what one of the, the rally cries of the left, right? Um, so anyway, point about all that is, is, is that I don't need to watch these things. I don't need to... Uh, see these cartoons that they're putting out where they are literally putting out predictive programming to condition a base for a particular response. And that's what they're doing. And And it's a lot of confirmation bias of, I'm going to pat myself on the back because, oh, we're going to win, right? It's, it's just just an assumption that was made. When I was... uh a little kid, I think I was eight or nine, might've been the first year I was playing football, I think, so I I might've been eight, um, that was, you know, little guys, peewee football, you know, no, no big deal, right, but, um, you know, we're at football practice and we're getting ready for our first game. And, you know, we're running these plays, we're doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, I was kind of going, got, got to that point where I'm tired. I'm kind of going through the motions, right? And, you know, I wasn't, wasn't going as hard as, as I should have because we're going to win. We're going to win, right? We're going to win this thing, right? You know, ah, it's no big deal. I'm going to win. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna completely run over that other elementary school. It's no big deal, man. We got this, and and you know I've rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it, right? Well, <laughs> you know, my dad told me cause he was watching it. He'd come to pick me up. And he was he was watching it, and he's, you know, he he uh, loved football football was a big part of his his life as, as a young adult and um, you know he, he football was, was a big deal and uh, you know he he was watching me slack a little bit you know, we get in the truck and he says to me you know you 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 weren't going nearly as hard as you could have I said, that's no big deal we're gonna win daddy we're gonna win and he goes you don't know that. And if y'all play the way, and you play the way that you were practicing out there, which you always will, you train like you fight, and you fight like you train. Something that I would hear many, many more times in life, and they were absolutely correct every time I heard it. So if you play like that, you're going to get run over. You're going to get the crap beat out of you. And you deserve it. You deserve it. <clears throat> we played that first game, and it was it, it was an absolute bloodbath. We got slaughtered. We got slaughtered because we thought, all right, we thought this is no big deal. We're going to win this thing, all right? Yeah, and and part of it, you know, you, you can chalk it up to, well, I mean, we we're little kids, there lack of maturity, all that stuff. And, and you wouldn't be wrong, but that was a valuable life lesson. That I never ever forgot. Life's gonna hand you those losses, and sometimes they they are severe, but that's how you learn how to win. And what I see coming out of a, a lot of this leftist predictive programming nonsense that they, they're tossing around out there is exactly that. They're patting themselves on the back. Oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna win this thing, it's no big deal. <clears throat> but I see this on the right. Sometimes, also a lot less now than I used to. Uh, I, we used to see this a lot uh, when, when I started doing this stuff back in uh, 2015. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've always been on, on the right of center stuff, I've always been uh concerned about you know, our, our rights as, as citizens, I've been concerned about government overreach literally my entire life. I mean, you know, I was becoming aware of, of the world in the early nineties and, and grew up with, uh, you know, the, the overreaches of, of the Clintons in real time, seeing it every day and seeing the effects of a lot of this stuff every day as, as jobs were leaving and Corruption was was uh, front and center and, you know, learned about the way of the world early on, um, you know. And, and when you're lower middle class, uh, you know, growing up in an in impoverished rural area, you, you get to experience a lot of stuff like that. You know, you see it Um. anyway, you know, but, but point is, is, is that a lot of people on the right, when, when I started, um, really being in the, in the blogosphere and, you know, and then getting into, to the training game, there there was a lot of folks who, um, initially had been active in the 1990s who had transitioned into the internet age and they just had this confirmation bias. So, well, you know, we've got the guns, we got all the guns. Well, the left's got guns too. um, you know don't confuse the the hegemony of the left with its political leadership that seeks to disarm you because make no mistake that's what they want to do they want to disarm you their own proxies they could care less about and they they may be arming them and we saw that with fast and furious um, that that was a backdoor way of arming the cartels right it' was exactly what they're doing so uh you know don't don't get into that that bias don't get into that confirmation bias and there's a lot more people now I, I can s- very very safely say that there are so many more people now who are taking up the torch of training of preparing themselves of of taking all of this seriously and they're getting younger and younger and I'm I'm so proud to see that um You know, and and, and all of them patriotic Americans, you know, deeply patriotic. And that's every corner of this country. And so, uh, you know, for my friend and and my brother in Christ that that I uh, get the opportunity to sit around a campfire with and and converse with and break bread with uh, in in that wonderful group out there and all of those guys, you know, not getting blackpilled and not getting beat down about that, but rather... Turning it into something productive, that's what we get to do. That's what I get to do on a regular basis. And it's so incredible. You know, it, it, it's, there's a lot of scary stuff that is certainly coming down um, politically. But I will say, and, and we're going to talk about this tonight, but I w- what I want to say is that it has to happen. Okay, this stuff has to happen. It's a logical conclusion of where we're headed. And these things absolutely have to happen um, for us to get better, for the situation to get better. And a lot of people, you know, are, are coming to that realization that, you know, there there really isn't a viable political solution. And it does not mean, by the way, that you check out of politics. Not at all. In fact, it's the opposite. You get more engaged in politics, but there is no viable political solution, at least in the current conditions of things, because you have to be politically active at the grassroots level to make them, to force them to show their hand. And that's exactly what we are seeing right now. That's exactly what is playing out in Colorado and California. And I'm going to lay out kind of my prediction of where I see things going uh, from here. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's it's some concerning things that, that are coming down the pipe. And, um, you know, it, it it is all the more reason to take things uh, that much more seriously. So, store. Uh the training schedule is up over there. There are going to be more 2024 dates that are going to be added. The last six day uh RTO, advanced RTO, and Signals Intelligence course combination is coming up on us fast and furious in January. And that is the last time that there's going to be all three of those together as a package uh, to the public. I'm transitioning to a uh, three-day model on uh, the RTO and the Advanced RTO and the Signal Intelligence course, and they're going to be offered individually um, when I head out to Wyoming in June. There will be course dates in Wyoming in June. There is going to be uh, the RTO and the signals intelligence course likely out there. I've got to reach out to uh, the ranch manager out there. We're going we're gonna to get the last couple of details um, resolved. But that, that's what that, that's looking like. It's going to shake, uh, how it's going to shake down. We're going to have a, a RTO and a signals intelligence course coming up in Montana at the end of April, and there's just a couple little things that we got to get nailed down with that as well. And those are going to be up on the calendar. Of course, store is how you can find out the, the uh, class registration is gonna be up on there. That's how you get into the class. If you know you are not cool with doing it online, you'd like a little more discreet enrollment. Hey, that that's fine too. You can contact me directly, NC Scout at brushpeater. Dot .org But uh, a lot of new products up on the store store a lot of things that that are getting added and I'm really excited for the products that we're going to be unveiling in 2024. My mission with the store has always been to offer you everything that I personally use to get ready for you know the the uncertain future, the stuff that we utilize in class. Right, all of the classes. That's that's what we're doing, right? Um, everything from communications equipment. You've got everything, and, and you know those are the big sellers. That, that's what a lot of people know me for. Uh, of course, you know when, when you're a uh, best-selling author in in the communications world, you know that, that is kind of what you become known for. But um, you know everything. You know, everything from tactical gear over there that's 100% made in America, communications equipment, everything from HF to handhelds, CBs, dual band radios, of course, the uh, Baofeng 152, which is just an absolute hot seller. I can't keep these things in stock, by the way. Um, I order them pallets at a time and y'all are buying them literally pallets at a time so i'm grinning to ear to ear because i mean it's it's not a bad problem to have but um you know it's i'm really excited about 2024 and the expansion that we're making into night vision sales uh thermal sales as well is is just really really awesome and i'm gonna have products for pretty much any budget that's out there where you're still buying quality equipment okay uh when it comes to night vision gen one stuff yeah i'm gonna tell you don't waste your money and you know we're gonna be doing uh some night vision specific things uh in 2024 especially uh the end of march we're going to be having a night vision class out here. Of course, Kay from Combat Studies Group is going to be coming back out to North Carolina once more because he just has more fun than than should be legally allowed out here. And uh, he's going to be running a night vision only class. And so going to have all the products lined up for that. Uh, so, I, I'm again, I'm grinning ear to ear because it's going to be... I, I am so looking forward to it. Um, you, you you won't even believe it. So it it's uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's it's just exciting. It, it's an exciting time. It's it's the best of times. It's the worst of times. Uh, but anyway, brushfeeder.store, All of that stuff over there. Free dried food, of course. Peak refuel, and I have heaven's harvest is a new product line. They're not new to the, the freeze-dried food industry. That's a new product line that, that we're going to be offering. Um, I'm really, really excited. Uh, company out of North Georgia. So, you know, more of, of my Southern boys. Uh, southern company. 100% American, you know, in the region. And, and what an incredible uh, group of folks. But this is more for the long-term food storage, uh, everything in number 10 cans and, and bulk goods. So I've had a lot of you out there that say, hey, you know, the peak refuel stuff is fine, but those are individual meals. And even though they're really good, I mean, that peak refuel is uh, something that a couple of years ago I rolled the dice on and uh, picked up some, hey, you know, Mountain House kind of was leaving me cold. Yeah, you know, it's, it's calories in, calories out. You ain't eating it because it's delicious, but you know, it, it just is what it is. And stop, ah, man, this peak refuel stuff looks, looks a little bit better. We're going to see how this is, you know, because of course, the advertising is always going to tell you, you know, they, they're going to make it look like it's the best, but, uh, got those, those biscuits and gravy. Was the first ones that I got. Got them biscuits and gravy, man, and then then of course the the standard by which all freeze dried uh, meals can any any freeze dried meal company can be judged their their breakfast skillet, right? How how good is their breakfast skillet? And uh, tried those two during class and was blown away. It's like man, this is this is actually something that. Um, you know I'd pay for in a restaurant like this this isn't like just gray reconstituted water and and little little dumpling sized biscuits in here this is like like a real buttermilk biscuit in this thing and actual sawmill sausage gravy like this is really good <clears throat> so um you know I was that that just it sold me right there, and I reached out to them. Uh, Peak Refuel is a, a a wonderful, wonderful company run by great patriots, and um, they were so super eager to work with me, to work with the store, to work with y'all out there, and um, that 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 really I'm going to tell you the the conversation that I've had with with uh, Peak Refuel and the crew there, and the great conversation that I've had with Heaven's Harvest, um, that, that I've been fortunate enough to, to build a relationship with them, I'm going to tell you something. It, it, going back to my statements about the Black Pill effect, I'm telling you all, there are so many incredibly patriotic folks who are doing so many good things and and they mean what they say. They they are totally committed and you know, they, they're they're wonderful Americans. And they love you. You know, they don't just love you as customers, they love you and they're drawn to this industry. They're drawn to what they do because they believe in this country and they believe in preparedness. They believe in, in you know, getting ready for these uncertain times. They're fully on board with it. Um, you know, and and, and they're they are proud to be out there offering uh, some incredible products. So, you know, anyway, that, that's just uh, neither here nor there. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, and 20, 2024 is is really shaping up to be awesome uh, for just the, the, the incredible people. The harder the left pushes, the harder the deep state pushes, the harder we're going to push back. And the, the more uh, the just wonderful people come out of the woodwork and, and are doing such incredible things out there. And I, I'm so proud to see it. I'm so happy to see it. And, um, you know, it, and, and again, it, it's just something that keeps me from getting blackpilled. But um, anyway, you know, with all that said, I, I do need to share with you some tragic news uh, in case you, you weren't aware of it. And, uh, I, I never like doing this kind of thing. Uh, but it is something that, you know, we, we have to do. And, um, unfortunately I was, I was on the road, uh, headed to Texas when I got the news. And, um, but, uh, anyway, there's, there's no easy way to, to announce the passing of a, of a friend and a brother in Christ but but that w- which which we have to do but it's uh, uh Bob Griswold of ready-made resources and um, you know I I uh, I knew him for for a long time and I called him a good friend for for a very long time he had that that wonderful opportunity uh, to to be able to call him a friend <clears throat> and a brother in Christ and um, I had classes at, at his place. He had been up here for a few classes. Um, got to know him and his family uh, pretty well. And, um, you know, it, it's. Uh, I knew for uh, a while that, that he, um, he had cancer and the prospects weren't good. But, um, you know, he was, he was fighting it and, uh, he, he was doing the best he could with it all. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he and I shared a lot of prayer about it. Um, and, uh, you know, when I, I had the, the last class up there in May and, uh, I knew, then, uh, I I knew when when you know it, it's it's disturbing when you you see uh, somebody who's always so vibrant and full of energy, just 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 ball of energy, you know, literally bouncing off the walls. Um, when when you when you see them slow down, and when you see um, you know the the very visible signs of the toll that the cancer had took on him and, um, on the body, not the soul, but the body, you know, it's, uh, it, it was hard. It was hard. And, um, I, uh, I talked to him right before he passed and, uh, got, got that last opportunity and I'm forever, ever grateful for that. Um, it's, uh, I tell you, he, he did a lot for a lot of folks. Um, he did a lot to get people prepared, get them equipped. And, uh, you know, the, the mission of, of ready-made resources certainly continues on. Um, and, and I want to, I want to share a quick story with y'all about, uh, the man that, that Bob was the kind soul that he was. Um, one of the the courses that that he hosted up there, and I, I don't remember which one it was. It was, it was a few years ago now? Um, you know, he he's he's got several employees. He runs a, a fairly large company. Ran a fairly large company, and um, he um, he had a guy working for him, who I'm, I'm going to decline to name. But um, he had a guy working for him who i knew you know just just reading the signs uh had some struggles uh, this young man had had some struggles and um you know i uh i think for me it uh, i i'm biased towards um Drug abuse and you know substance abusers and uh, the kind of the the lifestyle that that goes along with that. I you know I grew up around that kind of thing. I grew up seeing it. Um, I grew up seeing the destruction that it causes. Uh, you know there there was a Christmas when I was a kid. I was in elementary school. There was a Christmas uh, kid that I rode the school bus with, um, and his. This is is just a personal anecdote about that kind of thing. Um, His mom had some addiction struggles as well. And um, apparently, unbeknownst to all of us, because we're we're kids, man, we're in elementary school. Um, Unbeknownst to all of us, you know, she was she was behind. She owed money to uh, a drug dealer. And he killed her on Christmas Eve. And, uh, you know, that that. And, and a lot of other things, a lot of other things, but but that was that was the one big thing uh, that I can kind of point to, and you know, as as a kid, as as a young kid, elementary school, um, of man, don't ever get tied up in this stuff. Don't ever get tied up in this stuff. Don't get tied up in that lifestyle. You know, it it, it, it doesn't go anywhere positive. You can do so much better than that. But, uh, you know, it was all around you. And, and you know, in, in uh, Telco Plains, Tennessee, there's a lot of poverty there. Uh, there's a sharp dichotomy there of the haves and have-nots. And, um, you know, a, a lot of the the people who are moderately wealthy there have come in there from somewhere else. And uh, a lot of it's a, a tourism-driven industry. And, and everybody else is kind of just on the periphery of that. They're barely making it. You know, and, and that lifestyle, the, the uh, everything that goes along with a, a lower socioeconomic status is, um, you know, the, the uh, abuse, the cycle of abuse that goes along with it, um, the cycle of crime that, that goes along with it and drug addiction. And they're all together. They all go together. And, and that's the same thing that you see in inner cities. It's the same thing that you see in rural areas, anywhere across this nation. And anybody that tells you any different about that is lying to your face, right? They're lying to you. They, you know, it 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 transcends uh, racial divide. It it transcends, um, you know, areas and regions of the United States. This kind of thing is everywhere, you know. And you, and you can always tie it to the economics of a place. You can predict it. But uh anyway getting back to the story about Bob and and this is I think that this illustrates his character um and, and the man that he was more than than any other story that I can recall about him uh and and his his good nature um as, as a Christian so this kid that he had working for him was uh he he had some struggles you know you could you could visibly see it you could see all the signs of of uh, opioid addiction specifically you could see it all and um that's somebody i'll be blunt that's somebody that i would never ever allow i would never employ somebody that that showed those outward signs like that and that's me because i have that bias um i wouldn't have gave that guy a chance not even not even a single chance um no you know, yeah. You know, I'm sorry, buddy. You know, you can, you know, you, you, you got some straightening up to do. Um, and I knew that from, from having to, when I was a young adult, having to work around people like that, um, seeing, unfortunately, some of my friends I grew up with when, when I got out of the army and came back home, uh, who had succumbed to some of that stuff, have family members that, that have had their struggles. Um, again, I'm biased. Nah man, you know, sorry. That that's not cool with me. You damn sure ain't gonna bring that at my, my place of business and and that's that. Um, not gonna employ you. But for Bob it was different. For Bob it was a it it, it was a way to outreach to people who, who were less fortunate and for him it was almost like a um his personal mission as a Christian to minister to people who who are less fortunate, who have come up in dire circumstances and, and as a way to, to try and help them out and bring them up. And, uh, he did for this young man, you know, he gave him an opportunity that I certainly would have, would not have. And I think a lot of other people wouldn't have either. Uh, most people wouldn't have, but he did. And, some stories have a happy ending like that. Some stories don't. And that one didn't. Um you know, I I knew when when we had the class going on, I knew what I was looking at when I saw that and I knew in my mind just in, in my experiences I knew how it was going to work out. Um you know, he he's stuff's going to turn up missing. There's a lot of high value items in here, there's a lot of stuff for sale. Things are gonna turn up missing. Um that that's just typically the way that it goes. You know, peel heads have sticky fingers. Um <clears throat> but you know, months go by. I think we had a we, we had another class on the calendar for that year. And I don't remember exactly what year it was. It's you know, things things are kind of a blur over the years. But um, go back out, and I uh, noticed this young man wasn't there anymore. And I didn't say anything about it because it, it's not my business. It's not my place. And, you know, when you run any company out there, you're going to have a turnover of personnel. It's just going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's not my business. But he said something. Bob told me. And uh, we, were, we were sitting. We were having breakfast. Um, you know, and, and, um, we were having a a, a great conversation and, um, he, he told me, he said, you know, you, you remember the young man that was working here the last time you were out here? And I said, yeah, I remember him. Um, he said, well, you know, and, and he had this look on his face like he had lost a child. Um, the, the same look that I've seen, in parents who are coping with the grief of of losing a child, he had that same look in his eye, and he teared up, and uh, he said, "Well, well, he uh, unfortunately killed himself. Uh, he just couldn't couldn't shake his his addiction and uh, couldn't shake his problems, and, and he killed himself. And I, you know, I said, man, you know, we when we prayed about it a little bit." Uh, for a little while, uh, said a prayer for that young man, uh, said a prayer for his, his girlfriend who was pregnant at the time. And, uh, that kind of led up to the, the, uh, concern over the economics of, of childbearing led up to his ultimate decision, uh, to, to take his own life. And I have my personal, again, I got my personal bias against that, you know? This is somebody who, part of me, the the, the hard-nosed side of me, uh, I've seen two people kill themselves in front of me. Two. Um, one guy on my second deployment uh, shot himself, took, took his own life. And, um, you know, another one we found in, in a uh, Port-A-John on uh, Kandahar Airfield uh, just after he, unfortunately, just after he had taken his own life. You know, so I've, I've seen it. And I just look at that as, man, that, that's a coward's way out. And I've known several other friends, you know, guys I called friends that killed themselves. And I just look at that like, man, you know, why the hell would you do that? It's the ultimate act of, of selfishness. Why would you do that and subject everybody else to that? To that pain now that they have to deal with, you know? And, and I look at it that way. But that's the hard-nosed side of me. Not everybody's like that. Not everybody sees it that way. And some people, and this is something I've had to struggle with as, as a Christian, as, as one of our um, foundational principles of, of everyone in Christianity, is, you know, regardless of denomination, is mercy. It's having mercy on someone and forgiveness of someone. And, and it's very difficult for me to do that uh, for a lot of reasons, but he did, you know, he did. And he, and we, we, uh, talked about it and, um, you know, and, and he was telling me a little bit more about the situation after we had prayed over it. And, and he said, you know, he, he, had, he had donated a, a serious amount of money, uh, to, to the being of that child. Uh, who who was who's gonna be born and um, you know the the guy's girlfriend had seriously considered an abortion because of the situation um, and and now she's all alone. She has no financial support growing up in a, in a place that is uh, severely impoverished and, and very few job opportunities and um, Bob took it upon himself to to, to help them and to help her, and he had absolutely no obligation whatsoever to do that, um, and, and did, and so there's a lesson there, there's a lesson for all of us, uh, going into, to, uh, Christmas season, and, um, you know, and, and again, that's not to say that people should be absolved of of their bad decisions in life, or, or that you should create dependencies, or any of that, but it's mercy, and, um, I think above all else, that's that's what I learned from that and from him is that mercy and forgiveness. You can find those things in Christ and um, it's it's really important. So, you know, again, uh, Bob, you know, we uh, we shared some great times, brother, and uh, I will see you again of that. I have absolutely no doubt. I know that you are looking on. Uh, from heaven, of that I have absolutely no doubt, and uh, I will see you again, we will all see you again, you you, you did so much, and uh, your contributions to the Patriot cause, your contributions to uh, getting people prepared is, uh, you know, it, it really paved the way for so many more people uh, who came in who have come in behind you, uh, myself included. And I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, that, that, that I got to share with you, that I got to enjoy fellowship with you, um, and, and uh, the times that we had in class out there. And uh, so, anyhow, farewell for now. And, and we are delighted that, that you've been released from, from your mortal shell that had suffered so terribly. And you know you're no longer in pain and and you have you've moved on to your heavenly reward brother and we shall we shall speak again uh so anyway with uh that said took a little bit longer in that segment than uh, than I had anticipated, but it's certainly a, a story that needed to be told and um, one that uh, is is not easy. It's never easy to uh, to lose a friend. But be that as it may, um, I will say that the the last conversation that he and I had as he was uh, struggling to talk was that everything's going to be all right. That we this is quagmire we've got into, and we're going to get out of it. Um. I have absolutely no doubt that the Lord's hand was on his shoulder when he was making that statement. So, looking at the news, uh, just in time for the Christmas season, uh, never forget that an enemy out there will tell you exactly what they fear 100% of the time, whether explicitly or by their actions. And we're seeing that now. Uh, Of course, Democrat uh, appointed uh, justices on the Colorado Supreme Court have ruled that under the 14th Amendment, Donald Trump, who has not been convicted of any crime, by the way, uh, they're citing insurrection under the 14th Amendment. He was not convicted of that. So, you know, anyway... That's what they're citing to pull him off of the ballot, rule him ineligible to run in 2024 in the upcoming presidential election. And California, uh, very predictably and shocking to none, has followed suit. They are seeking every aim to follow suit. So uh, we're entering very dangerous territory here, and this is uh, lawfare, of course, taken to its logical conclusion. Um, this is in no way democracy. Uh, this is contrary to our values as a democratic republic, as a constitutional republic. And um, we, we are really entering some unprecedented times. But I, I want to point some things out here. Um they wouldn't be doing all of this if they didn't inherently fear uh Donald Trump and and what he is going to do when he is reelected. They know they they're they're aware the Democrat Politburo and the Republican Politburo as well, and I'm I'm going to address them here in a minute. But they know that, that the twenty twenty election was fraudulent. There's no question about that now in the minds of the people. Now, the censors can say what they want, the quote unquote community notes or the fact checkers or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever these people want to label themselves. But they're censors, right? These people are censors. Um, There's no doubt in the mind of the people that that election was stolen. I mean, we see it. The evidence is there. And, and the criminal case that was launched in Georgia, which is outlandish, by the way, is, is now on terminally shaky grounds. And that's why you never heard anything else about it that came out of it. Because it's been exposed. Cobb County ratified uh, over 20,000 ballots that were invalid. okay. Over twenty thousand, and Joe Biden. There are only won by eleven thousand ballots. So, they stole the election in Georgia. That's just in Georgia. The missing ballots in Pennsylvania that you heard nothing else about. How about Michigan? All right. Each of these states, each of these states, subverted the will of the American people, and they're doing it again. They're doing it again, and they are right now desperate, right? They are desperate. That's why they're doing this, because of you and I and all the other voices of dissent out there that are holding their feet to the fire. They're scared of us. That's why they're doing this, and they are resorting to pulling the curtain back on their power, a vulgar display of power now, which they are exhibiting. So, you know, on one hand, we could say, man, this is this is really something uh, th- this is really dangerous territory that we're entering. But on the other hand, and on the other uh, foot, so to speak, we could sit and say, well, you know, if if they weren't scared of us and they weren't scared of what we're capable of, they wouldn't be pushing this hard. They wouldn't be exposing themselves this in, in this manner. And in doing so, they know exactly what they're doing. Now, here's, here's the thing. They're fine with it. They're perfectly fine with it because they don't see any consequences. And truth be told, under this current system, there won't be any. I'm just telling you the, the raw facts there. That, that's not to get you down. That's not to get you depressed. That's not to put you in the dumps. And, oh, man, right? no. That's just to tell you, under this current system, that's the reality. There's not going to be any accountability, right, until the day that there is. Now, even some of the Democrats in, in their own machine know how rotten this is. Uh, the story coming from Fox News here that broke uh, tonight is, Democrat appointed Colorado justice says Trump ballot ban undermines the bedrock of america in fiery dissent this guy's a democrat okay this guy's a democrat and and in order in the the judiciary if colorado is anything at all like uh north carolina politically uh we have elections in North Carolina, for judicial positions. And they used to be nonpartisan, meaning you a judge could not have a stated political party. Uh, they, they couldn't run along those lines. But now, that, that has since changed, and, and now you can. Uh, a lot of that has to do with just, it, it's just easier that way. Um, it, it's easier, for and, and it's a, in, at least in my opinion, it's a more fair election. Um, in, in that way, because if there is no political party, it's statistically highly likely that the incumbent's going to win, unless it, there's just um, some reason that, that they've made negative press, right? And so uh, having nonpartisan elections for a judiciary, because most people are only familiar with the headliners on the ballot, they don't know who the judges are. Um, so that's, it, it works a little differently, but in, in Colorado, it's, uh, they're appointed, but either way, in order to, to end up on the ballot to begin with, you have to have had some sort of standing in one of the two respective political parties. And in order to do that, you have to owe some sort of favor to someone or have to have done something for someone because that's the way that it works. All right. That, that's the way that that, uh, you know, things that the backroom deals that happen with the, the uh, uh, judiciary, as well as in all other politics, it's the way that it works. And so, uh, you know, we, we can sit and. Hue and cry about this all we want, and you know, and oh man, this uh, it shouldn't be that way, and you know, Pollyanna things, but hey, that, that's the way that it works, it's the way it's always worked, it's the way it's always going to work, regardless of, of uh, you know, whatever system uh, you think that, that you're going to replace it with. And, and the right doesn't really have a competent answer on, on that either, I don't think, at least not a coherent one. But uh, anyhow, even even a Democrat appointed judge in Colorado, and there's several of them, by the way, are looking at this like we we've, we've crossed the Rubicon here. We're getting into some very dangerous territory that they, politically there isn't any coming back from. Uh, once you have done this, once you've set a precedent for this. Uh, this this is pretty dangerous territory because it leads to the uh, complete erasure of the people's trust in its electoral system. And you know we're we're already on shaky ground because of twenty twenty. They they never did anything to fix any of that to address the the issues with public trust on that. They never did anything to address any of that. They simply said, well, if, if you don't believe that Biden got 81 million votes legally, that 81 million people voted for him, then you're an insurrectionist and you're all the bad things. Right? That, that's what they believe. That's what they're telling us. That is their outward um, statement. And that's their stance on it. And damn you if you believe any different. You will become a non-person. We will censor you. We will remove you from the uh, the rankings, as Radio Contra was. We, we couldn't find us. Oh, you couldn't find any conservative voice. And then, of course, a few of the approved ones started to come back. Your Glenn Becks of the world started to come back. Your Daily Caller, so on and so forth. Right, The approved message. Those guys started coming back. Not hating on them, just saying what it is what it is. That that is the approved message. Uh <clears throat> you know, you certainly didn't see Alex Jones coming back. No no. No, 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 no. Took a long time for me to get back up there. You know, and, and that's fine. Uh, because they will censor the voices that they know are making the greatest impact. And I'm honored by that. Because I would rather an enemy tell me to my face that he fears me. That it fears me. Tell me that you fear me by your actions. And I'll give you a reason. All right. So, you know, and and this community gives them a reason. That's what we do. That's what we've been doing. That's what we're continuing to do. They are scared of what we can accomplish. That's why they're importing so many people. South of the border. That's why they've done absolutely nothing. All right? Now I'll tell you that it's not just the Democrats. It's the Republicans. It is that deep state, the Republican version of it. The, the team red that is part and parcel of this as well. They are terrified of Trump. Now I don't really care. Trump guy, DeSantis guy, or like. The uh, the one person that supports Nikki Haley, I, I can't find anybody that supports Nikki Haley in the real world. Nobody, nobody. So I I, I cannot understand why she is uh, getting so much press because nobody supports this woman. You know, she is the the uh, Indian version of Hillary Clinton. That's all it is. They they took another politician. You check the the correct boxes. She has the same talking points as Hillary Clinton. Right? More money for the military-industrial complex. Let's disarm the populace. Very progressive stances on a lot of stuff. You're not getting a, a different character here. Right? They're reading a script. It's all part of it. It's all part of it. So anyway. Uh... My point here, though, is is that the GOP has done nothing, nothing at all to push back against this in so much as I've seen. Um, I have not seen a adequate statement coming from Ronald McDaniel. I have not seen anything coming from the Republican led House that this is unacceptable and what measures Will be taken to rein in Colorado because I can promise you, if the shoe was on the other foot, they'd be doing something about it. Uh, they they would be doing something about it. They would be uh, the federal government would open all sorts of investigations into that state. There'd be politicians that would be getting all their uh, their p's and q's looked through. Right, um, the, the, you you would you'd see a nonstop media blitz. But because of who it is, because it's political wrongthink. Uh, You're not getting any of that, right? You're not getting any of that. So it's a, it's a serious situation in which we find ourselves. Um, I think that this is the, the opening salvo of something much, much larger. Uh, Again, as I stated, California is following suit. I look for um, where we go next. I, I would say that New York is going to introduce something similar. I would look for Minnesota to do that as well, and likely Pennsylvania, because with with the uh, with the map of the electors, I mean, you know, Republicans not going to win California. I mean, California is a one party state, It's an effective one party state. Chinese Communist Party owns California as well. By the way, is you know, it's a lost cause. New York very much the same. Republicans not going to win that. Um, not going to win it. The, the, the Tammany Hall machine, the modern incarnation of it is not going to allow that. Right. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, I would say Minnesota, which Minnesota is absolute basket case. Uh, that state is, is just, I, and I, I don't even know how Minnesota even turned into that. Um, Went from from being a a, a kind of a libertarian say the state that, that elected Jesse Ventura maybe that was where it started. Um, they they elected that fruitcake maybe that's where it started. I don't know, um, I don't know, but uh, they they're definitely on a bad path now, real bad one. And uh, I I would expect them to introduce something similar. And Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania though is is a state that Trump could win. Um, very much a battleground state, and that is a state where he could win. But understand that the Politboro that is there that has um, uh, put together their machine and is very much controlling it um, they could introduce such a measure and uh, out of Philly, and that would be that. Uh, so, I, I would look for them to do that now. There'll be legal challenges. But as far as the GOP is concerned, they don't want Trump either. They don't want him either. Now, I don't care where you fall in the mix. Um, <clears throat> like Trump, don't like him. DeSantis, uh, you know, there, there's some some good qualities about DeSantis. Um, but the the point is, all, all of that conversation is largely irrelevant. The, the point behind this is, is that they are nullifying the will of the people. Okay, it doesn't matter who the candidate is. The fact that they're doing this and there isn't a greater outcry from the opposition party is deeply, deeply concerning. OK, it's not going anywhere good. But what I can tell you is, is that it also illustrates the reality that you don't have uh, political parties that actually represent you. Um, We're we're. Entering a time where you don't have that, and they have nullified your voice, and um, that I think is is what's most deeply concerning. It's it's not about any one political uh, person or one one candidate in particular. It's about uh, the the fact that that we're we're treading into dangerous waters where you can only vote for the people who are approved. To be on the ballot, so you're only getting you know uh, this kind of canned response, and the uniparty continues on, and uh, it's a scary time, and it's one that I think is is self-destructing uh, in in real time as well. But for all of you out there that are that are saying, "Well, civil war, civil war, II. um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit cold water on that one too. Understand that uh, the reality is this a civil war results from competing economic interests that are now incompatible. There is a social dynamic that goes along with that. Uh, absolutely. Because the social factors of a place have to also reflect the economic factor of a place. Um, the, and, and there is no in between on that. That, that is the way that it works. Um, so, with that said, uh, those economic factors uh, that that will be financing a civil war in the American Civil War, or the War of Northern Aggression, it was the Antebellum South that was uh, driven by and the, the the economic engine was driven by trade with Europe, uh, agriculture-based trade with Europe. Uh, the cotton industry, the timber industry, uh, shipbuilding industry, sugarcane, sorghum, uh, tar. You know, these, these were all raw goods that were produced in the southeastern United States, whereas in the northern United States, northeastern United States, it was industrialized. And so they were producing goods that were competing with Europe. And so what ended up happening was a, a uh, competition economically. Was there a social dynamic to it? Yep, absolutely. There absolutely was. But it wasn't the sole factor, uh, despite what Howard Zinn uh, in, in the history books may tell you. That wasn't it at all. It was competition over economics. It always was. Uh, from the very beginning. From the founding of this country. So, With that said, how would that shape up heading towards 2030? Well, you need to ask yourself what economic factors in the United States would come into competition with the Politburo out of D.C. And with that said, I would point you to the green energy sector. Uh, The green energy sector is looking to eliminate oil, is looking to and has largely eliminated the coal industry, um, and they they are uh, saying we're you know we're not going to have fuel anymore after twenty twenty uh, or twenty thirty rather, pushing for all these green energy initiatives which are stupid. Uh, these are stupid on their face. This this isn't going to work. This stuff is not going to work. Uh, anybody with with any logistical sense knowing just how much energy that this is going to require. They they know this isn't going to work. So, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but I'm saying that this is certainly a direction that we may want to look, is the oil industry. That is the one thing that is brewing uh, economically and would drive us into a civil war. The social factors, absolutely. Political factors, which are... Um, a outgrowth of the social division that we have in the United States, that as well. But the oil industry and the oil companies that are that are risking going out of business due to these short-sighted uh, and toxic policies that are contrary to the spirit of the American people. Uh, that very basic freedom is, is at risk when you can no longer freely travel uh, the United States, and and we've already seen this. I mean, there's a precedent for this already. Well, we've we've already seen it. Um the COVID restrictions were a big part of that. But it all boils down to the economics, all right. Economically, there has to be some winner and some loser. There's something in competition, all right? And that is the direction that we're headed. Um that is that is the way I see it kind of panning out. Um and, and again, we're we're gonna see though. We shall see, you know, but socially we're not headed anywhere good. And, um, you know, the, the left is quite content with erasing the Constitution. They're not concerned with it. They're not worried about it. It's an antiquated piece of paper in their minds that is open to being changed at any one time. It was a document that was written by slave owners and therefore was uh, is invalid on its face. So, um, you know, concerning times ahead, absolutely concerning times ahead. Anyway, folks, uh, you know, again, all this stuff sounds real, real, uh, black pillish, but it's not, it is a reason for training. It's a reason for making yourself better, for getting yourself better prepared for the rough road that's ahead. You know, we have a militant left that's chomping at the bit to spark a communist revolution in the streets, and they're going to do so. Um, that that is the third wild card in the mix because they don't see the U- United States as a government entity. They don't see it as being valid, um, and and they're going to take every means that they can to subvert it and overthrow it, and and have been doing so. Twenty twenty four is is going to be a banner year for them, I think. I have a feeling. Uh, just, just a, a thought, you know. As the uh, politics of the situation continue to get more and more uh, shaky, but remember always there has to be some sort of economy and economic engine that provides the replacement because they're going to be in competition with one another. Anyway, uh, going a little bit long in this episode sounds a little black pillish, kind of you know, like oh man, that's kind of dark. But it's really not. It is, again, as I stated, the reason to make yourself better, the reason to get out there, get that training. All right. Be a hard target, become a hard target. If you're already, you think you're a hard target, you ain't hard enough. Get yourself better. All right. Get out there, get training. Brushbeater.store everything that you need going into uncertain times, and new equipment will be up. On the first of the year. And I'm real excited to be offering it to all y'all out there. With that said folks. Going to have Sons of Liberty on the air tomorrow night. We're going to be doing our special Christmas on the air. And I am really looking forward to that as well. God bless all of you. And I will talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout. Out.